Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. You know, isn't Mother's Day a wonderful time of year? It's, it's when you get to really shower love on your mom. And it's all about family, too. You know, it's like moms are about family. You ladies are amazing. You have brought birth to children and made families for all of us. So thank you. And um, I, I was basically going, um, going to continue in Ephesians. And my wife was saying, do you have a good Mother's Day message for tomorrow? And I said, nope. I, I don't like preaching message for holidays. I, I, I like, you know talking kingdom and stuff like that. And I like honoring mothers, obviously, and honoring people. But uh, we're, we're going to get right into back into Ephesians. I said we had started this series um, two weeks ago. Bob spoke last week. And so we're getting back into Ephesians. And I want to just get into this right now. And I want to be able to uh, hopefully stir some things up in, in us as people and as a family uh, the family of God. How many have found that in your life sometimes you pray for something, you believe for something, you hope for something, and it doesn't come about? It just doesn't seem like anything's moving in your favor. Can I see a show of hands? I'd like to see. So you look around, and it's like everybody in here has felt the same thing. So I want to go ahead and start off in this book of Ephesians. We talked about this, how the church of Ephesus first started, and how in Revelation it uh, John records that the angel would be the messenger would be taken out of the church if they didn't return to his first love, and I believe it's obviously they repented, they returned to their first love, and we have the testimony uh, today of the Church of Ephesus in the Book of Ephesians, and I think it's an amazing book. I've often said I, I believe that if we only had the Bible in the Bible, the Book of Ephesians, we'd have enough to understand redemption, we'd have enough to understand sanctification, we'd have enough to understand. Uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, um, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have enough of that in us to, uh, to live, but thank God we have more than that. We have uh, His Word, which endures forever. Amen? Yeah. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Blessed be, uh, the, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, how many of you feel like you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing? In the heavenly places. <laughs> Some of you are raising your hand because you know it's the right answer. Right? <laughs> but there, I can guarantee you that during the week, there's sometimes you feel like there's some lack going on. Like there's just some, you know, there's some inter-perspective going on that just kind of stirs up this every spiritual blessing. Oh, I can think of a few extras that I'd like to, to have. And I, I want to be able to dive into something and in what he was uh, teaching in this. And the word blessed us, it actually means praise and to celebrate with praises. So this is an interesting thing. We take the word blessed uh, in this first, in the Greek word as it appears. He has blessed us, which means praise and celebrate with praises. So that kicks us off to this place of, guess what? We don't just limit ourselves to our inner perspective. He is actually singing praises over us. 
Okay, that when it says he has blessed us, it means he is singing praises over us. We have his praise. We have his praises over our life. And so when you're introspective and you're looking at all your lack, bring this back to your memory. He sings over me. He has blessed me. He sings over me. He sings praises over me. Ah, it's, it's a great song. It's also a great, a great verse. Blessed us. I mean, I had to look this up in the Greek because it was like, you know, we say blessed. We just think, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. It's, it's all good. But he, the creator of the universe, the father of all, sings praises over us. I like that. That comforts me. Comforts me. I need to be comforted today. My body is racked with pain. I, every muscle in my body screaming from all the work I did this week up there. <laughs> anyway, I'll get off of me. Okay. The second thing is with. Now that word with, he has blessed us with. It's interesting in the Greek how when you get into the Greek and you look at what these words mean, we take it for, for granted to what in the English language with means. It's just kind of like me. Well, he's with me. He's done this, you know. But in the Greek, it's a fixed primary position. It's fixed. I, I, guess what? When God fixes something, it's fixed. There ain't nobody going to change it. Nobody's going to try to take it away. Nobody's going to come in and remove what God has fixed. And that Greek word means it's a fixed primary position. In other words, it won't be moved. It can't be moved. You can't move it. The devil can't move it. God's not going to move it because he fixed it. And it's fixed in place with his word. What's fixed? His praises, his celebration over us. It's something he has fixed. Years ago when I first became a Christian, I was too introspective. I looked at all my imperfections. I looked at all the things that I, that I know I can do wrong. And all the things that I knew I was doing wrong. And nothing was really right. I'm, I'm measuring myself on a holiness standard that is impossible for a human to live up to. When you look at the word of God and you look at the holiness standard that's there, especially in the old covenant, it's impossible for a human to actually live up to. What do we need? We need grace. We need grace so that we can see it's already been given to us. But I didn't have that understanding back then. And I'm, I'm trying to attain something. I'm trying to work to please God. To, to help him see, I'm okay, it's okay, God. I might do some bad things, but I'm okay, God. I didn't understand that his heart was so much like a mother that he would overlook those things that I was doing wrong and love me in spite of it. Because of something he had already done. He had already fixed it. The work was already completed. My holiness was secure. We'll see this later on as we get into Ephesians, how we're without spot and without blemish. It's fixed. Because these are promises he's given to us. I couldn't see all that back in the beginning. I was just, I, I felt like if you could describe my life earlier on in my Christian life, I was trying to please God. 
which is almost impossible, humanly. It is impossible without his grace. And that's what's so beautiful about grace. Grace helps us to understand it's already been given. We got it. It's taken care of. So that's a fixed primary position. It won't be moved. And the third thing is every blessing spiritual. That's how the Greek terms it. Every blessing spiritual. And I I think that's important to term it that way instead of every spiritual blessing. Every blessing spiritual. And what it means is all completely, everything, our incredible good God has in mind for us, that he has given to us. And the word spiritually, what that breaks down into is it means governed by God. So all of these gifts, all of these spiritual blessings, all of these things that we've, that we've been promised are governed by him. That take, to me, that takes the load off of us. It, it just, it, it's like we don't have to question, have I been given every spiritual blessing? I don't feel like it. doesn't feel like it to me. <laughs> it's a given. Fixed. Done. It is a full promise. One that we could easily question under close examination, but it is a promise nonetheless. And it is something that's guaranteed. And it has been given us already. So no matter how void you might be feeling, no matter how far away from the blessings you really might think you have, you know, how many of, how many of us have, have prayed for someone to get healed and they don't get healed? How many of us have prayed for someone to get healed and they end up dying? And then you feel like, maybe I shouldn't be praying for people to get healed, right? It, it doesn't matter how void we might feel. And it doesn't matter the situations and the circumstances in this life. The promises of God are to be contended for in a place of prayer, in a place of believing, in a place, in a place of faith, to where we see what he's given, we know what he's given, and we know it belongs to us. I woke up early uh, Saturday morning, as I said, and my body was racked with pain. I felt like I had a fever. I had the chills. And I, I could really, I could hardly get out of bed. That's how sore I really was. And I struggled down the stairs in that log cabin, and I've developed a, I've developed a life of prayer um, with the Lord over the years with someone in the house. But up there, there's no one in the house. In fact, there's no neighbor anywhere near a mile away. I mean, they're just not around. You know, you're, you're on your own up there on that mountain. And so the first morning I was there, I'm sitting in the, the little room and I'm in the rocking chair with my coffee and I'm talking to the Lord like I would at home so I, I don't wake anybody in the house. And, and all of a sudden I realized I'm on my own. And I started talking really loud. I had a few things to talk loud about. And uh, Saturday morning when I got up, feeling, having all this pain, I was just racked. It was really awful. And um, Lynn had pulled a tick off of me last weekend when we were up there cleaning out the house, which, by the way, we filled a 40-yard dumpster full of stuff just from the house itself, not even touching the barns yet. And so... Um, 
she pulls this tick off me, it had bit me right here and pulled it off, and I went, oh, great. And it was a deer tick, not the kind you want to get bitten by. So when I woke up Saturday morning, I've had, many of you have heard this, but I'll just say it quickly. I've had Lyme disease four times, and so I know what the symptoms are. I understand how it feels and all that stuff. And I woke up, and that's exactly what it felt like. And that was the thought that hit my mind. You've got Lyme again. Great. Well, I went down that morning, got my coffee, and sat in that rocking chair, and I started having it out. Not with God, but with something that was trying to lay something on me that didn't belong on me. Now, I, I'm not a cussing person. I don't swear. I haven't sworn in years and years and years. But I actually swore at that disease and told it it had no right to be on me, and it might as well go back to the hell it came from. And guess what? It was gone. True story. I thought, man, maybe I need to be alone in prayer more often. As I was yelling, okay? And it would not have been fun for any human ears to hear. But I had reached a point to where it's like, no, I recognize what this is. This is a threat against that which I have been promised. It is a threat from hell itself. And it belongs in hell. Not in me. Because I've been blessed with every blessing spiritually in the heavenly places. Now I'm just going to say this. I know that life contains blessings and I know that life contains sufferings. But God has governed our life with every spiritual blessing. Every blessing spiritual. We are governed by the promises, not the sufferings. Do you guys, you guys understand? Maybe you've bumped into Christians who glorify sufferings. We, I, I don't want to ever glorify suffering. I don't think suffering has a place in heaven, do you? I don't, I, when, I, when I read the pictures of Revelation and Ezekiel and I see the glimpses of Isaiah as he's in heaven, I, I don't see suffering going on up there with anybody. On this earth, we will have trials and tribulations. But what did Jesus say? Fear not, for I have overcome this world. That puts us in a place where we get spiritual heavenly blessings. It doesn't mean suffering isn't. It just means that we can go through suffering, get through the other end, and come out victorious when our eyes are fixed on the promise. First check in First Samuel chapter one. A lady goes into the temple to pray. Her name was Hannah, and daily Hannah was intimidated by an enemy who laughed at her, mocked her, and blamed her for not having children. And she goes into the temple and pray, and she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, 
but will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall ever come to his head. And it happened as she continued to pray before the Lord, the Eli watching her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be put to drink, put away your wine from you? This is a very interesting verse, isn't it? She's not speaking out loud, but her lips are moving, and she's looking to Eli like she's drunk. And I happen to feel that something was happening to Hannah in that, in that place, in that tabernacle, in the place where she was at, that Eli did not grasp, did not understand, and was only looking with his natural eyes at. But something was taking place in the Spirit. It's quite possible that the Holy Spirit was so much in that room with her that she was feeling intoxicated, that she was getting overwhelmed with the presence of God to a point of intoxication. She was suffering. She was hurting. Everything had been thrown at her and hurled at her. And daily she was living under a barrage of attacks and uh, angry words and just, just hatred that was at her. And she goes into this place to pray. And I want to tell you, if any of you have lived under the curses of men, if any of you ever lived to a place to where you've had people put you down and cut you down, you can't ever seem to do anything right, I want to tell you that the Lord has a special place for you. He has a special place in his heart. And she's there, and he meets her there. The priest doesn't understand it, but the Lord gets it. And he comes in, and he moves on her. She's getting ready to leave out, and Eli sees her at the door and tells her this, put away your drink. Just stop, stop this foolishness. And she said, God, be far from me. This is not because I was drinking. It's because I'm desperate. I need God to fulfill. I need him to come and give me a child. I've been barren. I, have, I can't have children. And the priest said to her, he blesses her. He says, go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition. And guess what? He did. And she became pregnant with Samuel. She makes a prayer. And in that prayer, she uses the word anointing. It's the first time anointing appears in the scripture. And she uses that word anointing. And Samuel is given a great prophet. He's given to the house of Israel. And in her prayer, she says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Now, Hannah knew that she was lacking something. She knew that she didn't have something that belonged to her. She, she knew that every woman, was, every woman should conceive she knew she wasn't. And she got to some place. I believe she got in that place with the Lord. She got into that place of, of faith that moves mountains. And she just recognized, this is it. This, I, this has got to change in my life. I cannot continue to have this void and this lack in me. And she got before him and his presence just came over her. I believe within that moment of that prayer, his presence came over her. Something opened up in her womb and she was able to conceive. That's my personal belief. It doesn't say that in the scripture, but I do believe that. 
And I just want to be able to say that the Lord knows where each of us are at. He knows what the thoughts are that go on in our heads. He knows our places of suffering. He knows our places of victory and our places of defeats. He understands you. He sings praises over you. It is a finished deal. It is a done deal. He has already sealed it in place that you are his special kid. Now, I don't know about you, but I've often heard you shouldn't have any favorites in the family. You know, treat your children all equal. And that is, that is very true. But it's quite possible all your children are your favorites. And I believe that's how it is with God. All his kids are his favorites. <laughs> so it's not a competition, right? Not at all. So where do we fit into this? How does this tie in in Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is where the battle of lack Really, it's like where the rubber meets the road with the battle of lack. If we, which I believe most of us have, faced our lack at some point in time, our our insecurities, you call it whatever you want, but there might be some things within you that don't line up to the standards of what you think is perfect. Those things need to be met with the full armor of God. Because while we're on this earth, there is a spiritual war that's going on and there is, there is spiritual wickedness that happens. And it just, it's what Jesus said, you know, you're going to have trials and tribulations on this earth, but don't be afraid, I have overcome. And the armor of God helps us to overcome. It equips us to stand firm. So rather than let your lack take the priority in your life, understand that you've been equipped with some important tools to conquer your lack. That we get to actually triumph over our lack and our defeat because the Lord has already fixed it and put it into place. And those promises, those blessings, those spiritual blessings that we've been given, that is a promise And if you feel like you don't meet up that promise, if that promise doesn't feel like it's active in your life, then get suited up with some armor. Because the chances are real good you've got a liar who's been lying to you. Now when Steve Backman comes in June, we're going to laugh at a lot of lies. He always has a way of doing that. To just sit, let us see how ridiculous those lies are. But a lot of times when we're on our own, those lies might be pretty effective. They might hit us pretty hard. You see, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But that's not the end of the story. You can't live your life believing that the enemy is just going to continue to rob you and steal from you 
And you're just pretty much, you can't do nothing about it. It's just your lot in life. You know, God must have passed you by. It's, there's, all, there's all kinds of lies that could come around this. But let me tell you something. He's been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. He no longer has the victory. We get the victory. I almost said we get the victory. New word. I come up with new words all the time. The end of the story is when God's people recognize that they've been given the promises of God, that he sings over us, that we are not the frozen chosen, the defeated few, that we don't go from a, a good meeting to a bad meeting to a good meeting. We go from glory to glory to glory. Let me talk to you about good meetings. Have near have, <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one who experienced this. I don't know. But I don't think so. I think there's some other prophetic feelers too. How many of you have ever felt like you walk into a place and you've just felt like oh, there's something wrong here? Something, something's out. Something just doesn't feel right here. Right? Then change it. Don't change your location. Change your environment. Shift it. Do a shift. We get to shift. If something feels out of place, then we get to shift it. However, something might feel out of place, and it's not out of place. You're out of place. And I felt that before, too. And I have an interesting story about that. We had a prophet come through here. His name was Dick Joyce many years ago. And Dick has gone on to be with the Lord now, but many years ago he came through and we had this great weekend. I think it was like 95, no, it was before that, 93, 92, something like that. Is right after we first started and Dick Joyce came in, we were so excited Dick would even consider coming to the little church in Pepperell, Massachusetts. Great man of God, had a great uh, ministry and great gift for healing and great gift for teaching and preaching. And he came in and the Friday night meeting was off the charts. I mean, we, we had people that came, heard he was coming. They came. We'd never met them before. We'd never seen them. And the place was just full of electricity that night. It was, I was just buzzing with the presence of the Lord and the glory. And the worship team was like, man, they were killing it. It was like awesome. Might have been me at the time. I don't know. But it's just a glorious, glorious meeting. You know what I mean? You're in this meeting and you feel the tangible presence of God and you just know miracles are going to break out. Things are going to... Anybody ever been in meetings like that? Think, some of you, wow, haven't. Wow. Okay, well, things... It was exciting. Very exciting atmosphere. I'm just pumped. I'm like, wow, this is going to be so good. Dick gets up. He has a powerful word from the Lord for the church. Not just in a message, but he had words of knowledge for people. People were getting healed. It's like he's calling them out of the chairs. They're getting healed right on the spot. Just very powerful, powerful meeting. And we, we get out and we go in the car and we're sitting in the car and I'm, I'm going to be driving him back up to Nashville to his hotel. And first thing he says when he gets in the car, he goes, that was possibly one of the hardest, worst meetings I've ever had in my ministry. <laughs> this is a true story. And I, I looked at him, I said, what? And he goes, that was terrible. He goes, my word was off. My words of knowledge were off. 
the worship felt like it was just flat as all get out. Nothing was happening. Nothing was moving. And I'm, I'm like going, were we in the same room? We're driving all the way up to Nashville and he's complaining the whole way. He's just like, it's horrible, horrible. I hope tomorrow night is better than tonight. You know, it's, it's a long drive to Nashville from here, at least 15 minutes. <laughs> and I'm just going, oh my gosh, how, how, how could he not see? So I started talking. I said, Dick, I was sitting right in there and I, the words of knowledge that you had from people were so accurate, you'd never met them before and you're just popping them. It's like God gave you a video screen of their lives and you're just popping them out. Oh, I don't know. It just didn't feel right to me. So the next night comes along, Saturday night. I'm standing up in the front. Worship team kicks off. I think they must have picked every wrong song there was to pick. Nothing felt right. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, huh? Probably so. It just felt wrong. That's, That's all I can say. And it, it was like, this is awful. You know, there have been meetings that I've been in where you feel like just pushing the eject button. Let's just eject out of this thing because it feels so bad. And I get in the car and the first thing Dick says, now that was more like it. That was a meeting. Man, the glory and presence of the Lord was in that place. And I'm like, man, it felt like a graveyard in there. <laughs> Just like nothing was happening. And, and I told him that. I said, Dick, what are you talking about? I, I just, I, I mean, really, the, the worship was nothing but a struggle. It was hard. And so we're, we started laughing about halfway between here and Nashville. We started laughing at it. And this is one thing he said, and I'll never forget what he said. Well, let me tell you, brother, one thing is for certain. We do not have a God who only shows up in meetings. It's not so much about the meeting and how we feel about the meeting. It's about once again gathering with his people and celebrating his goodness and his faithfulness. When Serena sang that song of He is Faithful, she's singing that song of God's faithfulness. And it's a song that goes on and on and on. He has sealed for us every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And He is faithful to give us every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. So the next time you come into a church and you feel like something's off in the environment, something's off in the... It might just be you feeling the wrong thing. I mean, after all, are your feelings always right? Probably not. Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. Now this is really 
powerful. This is a very powerful set of tools Paul is giving to the church of Ephesus to be able to tell them, you might be under the gun right now and you might be getting barraged by uh, the spiritual principalities, but I've got news for you. You're equipped. You've been given something. And he talks about the helmet of salvation. If for no other reason at all, we should understand that we have no lack. It's the helmet of salvation. Jesus, the Savior of the world, lives in us. So the next time you get hit in your head with a lot of thoughts of lack, put salvation on. Just remind yourself you're a child of God. It's a fixed deal. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let's stand together. Father, I want to thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. I want to thank you for for loving us for who we are, not for how we perform or what we do. I want to thank you that you're good, that your promises endure to every generation. They are not just for a generation of long ago, but they are good for today. I thank you, Lord, that it's not just about, knowing you is not just about having good meetings and bad meetings, about having excited times or sad times. But it's about you and your faithfulness. I thank you for your promises that they are yes and they are amen. Always. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Mother's Day today. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.